Do you remember the classic movie, A Christmas Story? In this movie, Ralphie Parker, you remember that little nine-year-old boy, he really, really, really wanted a Red Ryder carbon action 200-shot range model air gun. Well, he had told his mother this, he had told his teacher this, he told Santa Claus at the local department store, and they all told him the same thing. If you get that gun, you'll shoot your eye out. Well, that's not really what he wanted to hear, but Christmas morning came and Ralphie had held out hope that some way, somehow, he was going to get that gun that he wanted so bad. He opened all of his gifts and guess what? It wasn't there. He liked his presence, but, but he was disappointed. Now, we'll come back to Ralphie's story in a moment, but his story reminds us of something, that we all have problems. Ralphie's problem was that he wanted this Red Ryder gun, and it didn't look like he was going to get it. And Christmas has a way of highlighting our problems sometimes, of, of bringing them into focus. We see what's supposed to be a time of joy, and yet we feel the weight of the challenges that we face and, and the hardships that we face what are the problems that you're struggling with right now? Think for a moment. What is the most significant problem that you're facing? Well, today we're going to think about uh, more about problems, particularly the greatest problem that we face. We'll be in Genesis chapter 12. I'd invite you, if, if you don't have a Bible with you, to grab a pew Bible there in front of you and turn to page 9. In this passage, we're going to see that God makes a promise to Abraham, and this promise addresses, indeed, the most significant problem that any of us could ever face. Before we read from Genesis 12, it's important for us to think about what was happening in Genesis chapter 11. This is the passage where the people decided that they were going to build a tall tower, the Tower of Babel, and this tower would enable them to make a name for themselves. And God had instructed them to scatter out over the face of the earth, but they didn't want to do that. They said, let's build this tower. We'll stay together. We'll, we'll make our own name great. And so God brought judgment down upon this people. He, he brought judgment by, by confusing their languages. They had spoken one language, but now they would speak multiple languages. And since they wouldn't scatter out over the earth, God scattered them out. That's what we see happening. And it's in the midst of this story of judgment that we see the call of Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at verses one through three. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God had brought judgment after Adam and Eve's sin. You remember. And later he brought judgment upon the wickedness of the people when, when Noah lived and there was a great flood. It was, it was an exercise of God's judgment. And again, in Genesis chapter 11, he brought judgment upon the people by, by confusing their languages. But now God calls Abraham and he gives a new promise of blessings to Abram. It may be said that Abram is a new kind of Adam. God is in some ways starting over. Abram is central in God's plan to reverse what happened in the garden. 
You see, just as God had promised to bless Adam in those early days of creation, now God promises to bless Abram. The promise that we looked at last week in Genesis 3.15 is coming into clear focus in today's passage. For the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of Satan, well, this offspring is going to come through the family of Abram. In verses 1 through 3, God gives Abram one command and several promises. This is a reminder that God is the primary actor in carrying out his purposes to, to bless and to rescue and to save what does God command Abram? He commands Abram to leave his land. He lived in the land of Haran. This was the familiar. But God is saying to him, you leave what's familiar to you, Abram, and you go somewhere that I'll tell you. Now, not only that, he says, leave your father's relatives. So, so leave the people that you know. And then God makes it even more challenging. Leave your father's home. Now here, to leave your father's home would be to leave those you were most close to. And not only that, it would also to, uh, be a financial risk because your economic well-being was often tied to those close relationships. So God's calling Abram, in a sense, to risk everything. Abram has no idea where he's going. God doesn't tell him that. God tells him to the land that I will show you, to the land that I will lead you to. God doesn't take out his phone and pull up Google Maps and say, look, Abram, this is where you're going. It's not like that. Instead, Abram has no idea. He just has this vague call from God. Hebrews 11.8 says this about Abraham, uh, also uh, called Abram. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So Abram's faith uh, is constantly emphasized in the scripture because Abram trusted God. He didn't have all the answers. There wasn't a map laid out before him, but he kept holding on to God. He kept trusting God and his faith is a challenge for us, an example for us. Now let's consider the promises that God made to Abraham. First, God promised him land. Now, this land would provide space for a new people. We'll see more on that later in this passage. What was the second promise? That God would make Abram into a great nation. Now, God's blessings would, would come through this new nation, but how Sarah, his wife, was barren. Abram was 75 years old. They had no children. So there's tension between the promises of God and between the reality that Sarah and or Abram and Sarah experienced. Third, God promised to bless Abram. Now in Genesis, the word bless is often associated with descendants. In other words, you would have many descendants. He's already made that promise to him. You're gonna, you're gonna be a great nation. But it's also associated with material blessings. And we see as we study the life of Abraham that God did bless him with, with great material wealth. Fourth, God promised to make Abram's name great. To make his name great. Remember in Genesis 11, what did the people who were constructing that tower want to do? They wanted to make their own names great. But here, God promises to make Abram's name great. Abram wouldn't exalt himself. No, God would exalt him and, and he would use uh, Abram. Now later, Abram's name, as I mentioned a moment ago, would be changed to Abraham. And Abraham means father of multitudes. Abraham's influence would be far reaching through the nation of Israel, but ultimately through an important descendant. 
Next, God promised to make Abraham a blessing. In other words, through the life of Abram, many people would be blessed. We'll look at this uh, more closely in verse 3. Then God promised special care for Abram. He says, whoever blesses you, they're going to be blessed. But whoever treats you with contempt, they're going to face the judgment of God. And as you read the story of Abram in Genesis, you're going to see this uh, bear out. For example, foreign rulers suffer when they treat Abraham in a way that's disrespectful. We see this with Pharaoh in Genesis 12, verse 17, and with Abimelech in Genesis 20, verses 17 through 18. Also in Genesis 31, 29, Laban was warned not to harm Jacob. Now, Jacob was Abraham's grandson. So we see that God's protection is on Abraham and his descendants. Later, the Egyptian who was named Potiphar and also the leader of Egypt, the Pharaoh, would experience God's blessings, intense blessings, because of the favor that they showed to Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph. We see this in Genesis 39, verses 2 through 6, and also in chapter 47, verses 5 through 15. Then God makes an amazing promise. He says to Abraham, all, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Now, God, of course, is the source of the blessing, but, but God would allow the blessing to come through Abraham, through his family. How on earth would such a widespread, all-encompassing, global promise be fulfilled? How, how could this be? How would Abram be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth? Well, we know it's through the Lord Jesus, for Christ would be among Abram's descendants. In fact, the Apostle Paul in New Testament times calls the words that we're looking at this morning God's gospel message to Abram. In Galatians 3.8, Paul wrote, The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So the Apostle Paul said this was the gospel to Abraham. How can God make such incredible promises to Abram? Because God intended to send his son, the Lord Jesus. This is the good news that Jesus saves, that Jesus gives new life, the great blessing that God promised Abram would be made known all around the world. Now, in the gospel, friends, our biggest problem is solved. Our biggest problem isn't a lack of money. It's not our weight, though that can surely be frustrating. It's not our self-esteem. It's not family problems. It's not even our health. Our biggest problem is that we are out of sorts with the God who created the whole universe. Whether we realize it or not, we have made ourselves God's enemy. When we sin, we do just what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We shake our fist at God and we say to him, I will do life my way. I'll do what I want. And this sinful rebellion puts us under the judgment of God. But the gospel comes to tell us that we can be made right with God, that our sins can be forgiven. And this is indeed good, good news. Our greatest problem, this eternal problem of being separated from God, it can be resolved through Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel is the reality that God, he is completely holy. We are sinful and we're separated from God. But God stepped in by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, 
Jesus is the wonderful fulfillment of the promise that we looked at last week in Genesis 3.15. He is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abram here in Genesis 12. Jesus came and he was born as a baby, a little baby boy. He grew up and he lived a perfect life here on earth. He died on the cross taking God's rightful judgment, rightful wrath towards sin. He died the death that you deserve to die. He died the death that I deserve to die. And he was buried and he came back to life and he conquered death and he conquered sin. And when we call out to Jesus in faith, we can receive forgiveness. God gives us credit for the perfect life that Jesus lived. Now, how can a person have a relationship with God? Or how can a person go to heaven? Well, the answer is that you must be perfect. You must be perfect. Do you want to go to heaven? It isn't a scale of, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good or I haven't been that bad. You know, a lot of folk are, are worse than me. Or look, God, I helped a, a little lady walk across the street or I mowed her yard. It's not like that. We think it's like that, but it's not like that. The reason we think it's like that is because we do not understand how holy and pure God is. A single sin puts you out of sorts with a God who is blazingly pure. To to be in the presence of God, to have a relationship with God requires perfection. But how? How could any of us hope to be in the presence of God? None of us are perfect. None of us are even close to perfect. He accepts no impurity. So how will we be in a relationship with him? How can we have the hope of heaven? We see what God promises Abram is wonderful good news. Because when we turn to Christ in faith, his perfect righteousness is credited to us. It's as if God looks down. If I've put my trust in Christ and I've turned to Christ, God looks down from heaven and he says, you know what? Lonnie is holy, pure, yes, perfect. And anybody who knows me knows that's far from the truth. But it's because the Lord Jesus covers me. He covers my sin. When God looks down, he sees, he sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. And if you know the Lord Jesus, that's the reality for you. And when you stand before God on the day of judgment, on the day that he takes you home, you aren't going to be saying, look at how good I was. You know that's a joke. You're going to be saying, I trusted in Jesus. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus and his perfect righteousness was credited to my account. And now I can have hope before the God of the universe. I can know the God of the universe personally. Friends, to be in a relationship with God, to go to heaven requires perfection. There's only one way, only one way. And it's the promise that God made to Abram here in Genesis chapter 12 that he would send a blessing that would bless the whole world, the Lord Jesus. What an awesome promise, the promised blessing God made to Abraham because Jesus came. Sinful people like you and me can have a relationship with God. In the end, friends, this is what Christmas is about. God loves us so much that he sent his own son to earth to live as a babe, to grow up as a man, to die on the cross. And because he died, you can live. This is the true blessing of Christmas. Now, this promise that God made to Abram, 
was about 2,000 years before Jesus was born. So here we are some 4,000 years from the time these words were spoken, still celebrating the promised blessing that God made to Abram, the wonderful blessing of the coming of the Lord Jesus. So what's the message of Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3? True blessing is found when we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. True blessing is found when we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, for this solves our greatest and our most pressing problem. Now think about a time when you were in an argument with someone that you were really close to. Maybe it was uh, your spouse, maybe a parent or a child, a really close friend. And and I I, I don't mean you were just kind of frustrated. I mean like things were really tense. Can can you think of a time like that? Maybe you weren't sure what was going to happen with this relationship. Are we going to be able to to make this work? Or or is it just going to fall apart? Can can you think of a time like that? You you feel the weight of of what should be of closeness and fellowship that you ought to enjoy with this person that you can't. That things are so broken and messed up. You, You feel that. Now, I want you to think about when you reconciled with that person, if you did. When when you made things right with them, when you all talked through things, when when maybe you offered each other forgiveness and you made things right and you wrapped each other's arms around each other and said, I love you, I care about you, you matter to me. Think about how good it felt. The weight that was lifted off your shoulders. No more walking on eggshells. No more frustration and hope. Heartbreak because of the the difficulty that was there? How much more so, friends, when we reconcile with God, when we call out to him for forgiveness, when we make peace with God, how much more so can our hearts be filled with joy? Yes, a joy unspeakable. Oh, friends, Jesus came that we might be reconciled with the Father, that we might be made right with God. This leaves us with an important and pressing question. Have you, friend, have you been reconciled to God? Have you called out to Jesus in faith and asked him to forgive you? Have you experienced this blessing that was made to Abram some 4,000 years ago? It can be yours this Christmas. It can be yours. If you call out to the Lord Jesus, you can be made right with the God who created the whole universe. For those of you who are believers, I have a question for you. Many of you, probably most of you here today are believers. You've put your faith in Christ. So here's my question for you. Have you lost your awe of God? Have you lost your awe of God? Are you taking for granted what he's done for you? We're so prone to wander from our love for the Lord. We get busy, we get distracted, we get enticed by this or by that. And before long, we lose our awe of how amazing it is to know the God of the universe. To say that he's a best friend, let those words sink in. If you know the Lord Jesus and you are drawing close to him, then you can say God is a best friend to you. He's that close. What an amazing blessing. Brothers and sisters, let's not lose our awe. Our 
awe and amazement in what God has done for us. For all the troubles and heartaches and difficulties we face, we must not lose sight of this amazing promise and the incredible blessings that follow. Now let's return to Ralphie for a moment. Christmas morning in the Parker home, uh, well, it was disappointing, as I mentioned a moment ago, because Ralphie opened those presents and there was no Red Rider gun. But then you know what happened. His dad pointed out a present that had been hidden. And so Ralphie opened it, and guess what? Guess what it was? It was that Red Rider air gun that he had been hoping for and wanting so bad. How awesome is that? Ralphie got his Red Rider. And he did nearly shoot his eye out, but he didn't. It was close. That night, when Ralphie went to bed, guess what was beside him in, a bed, in his bed? It wasn't a stuffed animal. It was his Red Rider BB gun. He got what he really, really wanted. Now, friends, today, do you see that God the Father has done just that for us? He's given us the deepest longings of our heart. Ralphie passionately wanted that Red Rider air rifle. Our deepest longings are for something transcendent, for something greater, something beyond ourselves. This is the longing to be made right with God, to know him. Now, we chase after all sorts of things to to fill this longing. We chase after stuff and money and prestige and, and, and women and sports. You could name it. We could fill in anything just about. We chase after all these things, trying to fill that deep longing that we have. But none of these things will ever fill the deepest longing of our heart. None of them will. But God, but God in his great love, oh, he's given us the blessing of the Lord Jesus and knowing him, yes, knowing Jesus will fill the deepest longings of the human heart. Better than any Red Rider BB gun or brand new truck or you fill in the blank, better than any of those. God has truly given us what our hearts deeply long for, peace with him something beyond ourselves, meaning, purpose, hope. You can know the Lord Jesus and enjoy him forever and ever and ever. This morning, won't you experience the blessing of Christmas? The blessing of knowing the Lord Jesus face to face.